As we return to Philippians chapter 2, I've, I've got an interesting question for you this morning, and that is this. Are you in your right mind this morning? Right thinking is so important to accomplish your mission. If you don't have the right thinking, you won't accomplish what you need to accomplish. The goal of every believer is to glorify God. That's the whole focus. Our mission is to get the life-changing gospel into the hands of every person on earth so that they will see God for who he is and they'll glorify God. So our goal is to bring glory to God. Our mission is to let the world really get to know what God is like. Roger Arthur was a big farm boy. He liked to tease and joke around. He was fast and was a really good football player. He had that kind of personality where when the team wouldn't be doing well, he knew how to tease and joke around and be a little sarcastic without being harsh. And I can remember as he was playing football one day, they were telling me that he, he got back to the huddle and he said, what are you guys doing here? You here for a picnic? And everyone thought he was teasing, but he didn't call the next play. He just kind of kept looking at everybody and looking at where he was and looking at what they were wearing. Roger had taken a really hard hit, and he had a concussion. And Roger was no longer in his right mind, and he couldn't call the next play because he didn't know what he was supposed to be doing. You know, there are a number of reasons why we as Christians may not be thinking clearly why we're not in our right minds. It may be that they have forgotten that we are part of a cosmic battle that is going on. It may be that they have forgotten that we live in a wicked world. It may be that they want the battle to be over but rather than staying focused until the conclusion, they've just quit. I found it interesting. Jesus made this statement eight different times in the Gospels. They would ask Jesus to do something or Jesus would recognize what they were wanting. And you know what Jesus would say? Jesus would say, I am come. And then he would fill in the rest of the sentence. They would say, do this, and Jesus would say, I am come. You see, this was Jesus. Jesus did not lose sight of why he was here. Now today, as we look at this, are you in your right mind? Are you thinking clearly? Are you in your right mind? And especially today, what we're going to look at, what's your role? What's your position if you're talking sports? 
What are you supposed to be doing? You see, Paul's been very careful as he talked about his circumstances. You see, you can't control your circumstances, but you can use your circumstances to accomplish your mission. What do you have around you to help you accomplish your mission? What is your mission? Your mission is to get the gospel into the hands of every individual on the earth. Your goal is to bring glory to God. Now, what you need to do, and we talked about the MacGyverism of just always looking at what do you got in your pocket? Do you have your, do you have your pocket knife? Do you have, what do you have that you could use to accomplish your mission? And we love watching television programs like that, but the reality is, what about in real life? What do you have that you can use to accomplish the mission of glor the, the goal of glorifying God and the mission of getting what God is like into the whole world? You can't change what the other team does, but you can use what the other team does to accomplish your mission. We know there are many adversaries. We shouldn't be surprised today, should we? But that doesn't change our mission. So now the question is, how can we accomplish our mission today? Now, as we were looking, what happened in, Philipp, in Philippi, Paul had learned, was that the people were arguing. The people were trying to get position over each other. They had lost sight of the game, and they were wanting to be the team captain. They were wanting a new position on the field. And it wasn't about the game at all. It was all about the prestige of what went with that position. And so Paul, as we studied last week, Paul said, look, I want you to focus on the fact, first of all, chapter one was all about have the right mind about your circumstances. Your circumstances are tools. And God changes your circumstances. And as he changes those circumstances, those are new tools that you have. You can't control your circumstances. And if you try to change your circumstances, you're just going to be frustrated. Now, there are some things you can do, but there's some things you can't do. The things you can change, that you need to change, change them. But the things you can't change, rather than being angry and frustrated, change your view of those circumstances and begin looking at its new tools in the toolbox. Paul, remember, he said, I wish you could understand that the things that have happened unto me, my circumstances, my imprisonment, the fact that people have been talking about me and trying to make my life more difficult, has in fact happened for the spread of the gospel. And though my circumstances may mean I will never see you again, I hope to, I think I'm going to, I believe God has left me here on this earth so that I can minister to you, but even if I never see you again, let's use our circumstances for the glory of God, for the spread of the gospel. You see, our mission is never to crush those who oppose, but to liberate them by telling them the truth. It would be easy to begin to view people who are being mean to us as our enemies. It's a natural response. And if we do that, everyone would say, well, that's only natural, that's normal. But the problem is, that's a tool 
that we're overlooking. And then we're frustrated because we don't understand why we can't reach that person with the gospel. So Paul, after he talks about all these things that God's given us so that we're equipped to do the job, then he says, let me show you the illustration of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, even though he was God, did not think that that was something that he had to hang on to and make everyone understand and give him all the due honor that he should have. Jesus came with one mission. And what was that? Who for the joy of accomplishing the mission that was set before him despised the cross. And he endured the shame so that he could accomplish the mission. And now, where is he? He's set down at the right hand of the throne of the Father. He was only here for a short amount of time. We would say today, what a waste. He died as a young man, only 30-some years. But what did he accomplish in those 30-some years? An amazing amount of things. Pretty soon, I'm going to be twice the age that Jesus was here on earth. Some of you have already beaten me. And we begin thinking, boy, it doesn't, it, life goes so fast. But the reality is, we're here on purpose. We've got a mission to accomplish. And he gave Jesus as the example. And then we come to today's text when he says, Wherefore, because of what Jesus did, my beloved, there's no animosity. He says, As you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both the will and to do of his good pleasure. Here's the first point I want you to notice today as we look at the text, and that is this. Do your role remembering your coach. You see, it's God who's your coach. God is working in you God is working and you are working. Notice, both to will, the desire to, and to do, the ability to do. You see, God is enabling you today. We look at our circumstances, we look at our pressures, we look at our mission and we say, I can't accomplish that. But what you need to remember is God's your coach. He's giving you everything you need today. The will, the desire to do, and the ability to do what he's called you to do. You see, God is working in and through you, but you must work. Work your purpose. Work your role. What's he saying? Work out your own salvation. Now, what do we already know? He's already told them in chapter 1, they are saints. They are believers. They are Christians. Don't ever think that he's saying you need to work really hard to figure out how to get saved. That's not what he's telling you. He's telling you, every one of you were saved on purpose for a reason. You can't take my place. I can't take your place. Therefore, he says, just as I am working out my responsibilities where I am, which currently was in jail, chained to a man. He said, just as I have my responsibility, you have your purpose. And he points the finger now to them. He's talked about his circumstances. He's talked about understanding your mission, your role in the mission that every one of us has a point, a place in that, in that mission that we're to accomplish, that goal. And he says, because of that, he says, you pay attention to your job. You pay attention to your place. 
That means you need to be aware of what's happening around you. You need to be aware of the other believers that are close with you. And you need to be working in conjunction with them. You know, when you're playing basketball, you, and you're not the point guard, you have a place. You're supposed to be on the court while the point guard's bringing the ball down. If you're not where you're supposed to be, the point guard can't really do what he's supposed to do, can he? It's all about position. It's all about location. It's all about your role in what's taking place. I've told you, you know, I'm, I'm trying to learn a brand new racket game, well, paddle game called paddle, uh, pickleball. And occasionally I will play with someone who is coaching the whole time I'm on the court. But the one thing I'm learning all the time is I not only need to be aware of where I am and where the, other, where the opponents are and where they may put the ball, but I also need to be aware of where my, where my teammate is so that we cover the court together. There are times that I want to rush ahead and all of a sudden I realize, no, 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 I can't do that because my teammate is here rather than here. When you begin thinking about the Christian walk, what's happening? God is telling us all the time, he says, work out your own role, do your own job, pay attention to what your role is in accomplishing the big goal. What is the big goal that we know is going to be accomplished? And that is, we know Satan's going to be defeated. There is nothing that Satan can do to defeat what God has already planned. But the incredible thought is, God lets us have a part in that. And you have a part in that. Your part is not just to sit. Your part is exactly what God's designed you to be. God never asks you to do what his grace does not enable you to do. We have the best coach ever. As parents, if you still have young children, the safest thing that you like is the fact that you get to control everything. You get to control when they eat, when they sleep, where they go, where they don't go, what they wear, what they don't wear. And then this amazing thing happens when they turn two. And you hear that word, a two-letter word, a word that tells you, your child has a brain. No, mommy. And panic sets in your heart. How will I get them back to yes, mommy? And you work and you teach them obedience is so important. And then they begin hitting third grade. And you realize I can't make them obey me for the rest of their life. I have to begin coaching them on how to think. And by the time they hit junior high, if you still think whatever mommy says goes, and you don't want them to think, you just want them to obey, you're in for some serious rough water. Now, you can either be angry, and you can fight them, and you can argue, and you can say, I can't stand teenagers, and I just can't wait till they outgrow this stage, or you can begin to say, okay, wait, my role has totally changed here. My job is to coach them so that they learn how to think and they learn how to make good decisions. 
And you know, the, the sad part is if, if you ever watch a junior high coach, they really deserve more gift cards than they ever get, right? Because they're telling them all these different things and you see that they're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go back out on the court and they are clueless. I remember coaching soccer. And I always knew who had a birthday party coming up next because I'd have little girls walking around out there holding hands as they were going from place to place on the field. And it was like, no, 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 you're over here. Yeah, but we've got a birthday party later. And they just would be together. And I would say, okay, all right, you two, we're going to have to put you over here for right now. Until they got the hang of the fact they were much more effective if they weren't holding hands. Or coaching baseball. And you see the guy in the outfield picking dandelions. He's going to get beamed, right? So you got to stand up, got to stay focused. Yeah, yeah. Now, it was okay when they were little. When they're in college and they're sitting in the outfield picking daisies or Picking dandelions, you're going, hmm, probably didn't have a career in this, does he? What do you do? You coach, and you keep bringing them forward. I don't expect a third grader to get what a junior higher gets. I don't expect a junior higher to get what a high schooler gets. I expect a high schooler to be processing a lot of information, a lot of data. They're going to make some mistakes, but if I've started as I should have back here, they are now processing to where they can think. And they're going to call and... If you're not at that point yet, I can just tell you, having gone through three already and another one yet at this young adult stage, there are going to be times they call and they're going to question and they react, and it would be tempting to react and say, you can't do that. And then I have to always remember, wait, this is an individual that's going to be responsible before God. My job is to coach them and help them get where they need to be. The people with the really good coaches are the ones who are able to change the most radically, the most quickly. For it is God who is working in you, both to give you the will, the desire, and the ability to do what he's called you to do. You have a great coach today. Now, you can resist that coach. You can fight that coach, but Paul was saying, don't fight the coach. Listen to what he has to say. He knows. He knows how the game's played. He knows the battle that you're going to be in. He knows the armor you need to wear. He knows the skill levels you need to have. And he says, be in your right mind. Think clearly about your role. He says, do your role remembering who your coach is so you can have confidence. But then he also says, do your role remembering that you are modeling before the world. Look what he says here. Do all things without murmurings and disputings that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Do your role remembering that you are modeling before the world. You are modeling what they can see. They see you in difficulty. Therefore, without grumbling, what you're experiencing. It's too hard. It's too difficult. It's too... 
what are we saying? We're saying that I haven't been given the equipment, I haven't been given the training, I haven't been given the resources to accomplish what God has for me to do. My circumstances are greater than God's enabling. That's the reason why Paul reminded us, he says, it is God that is working in you both to will, to help you love what you do, to have the desire to accomplish the task, and the ability to accomplish that task. Without grumbling what you're experiencing. Without complaining what you've been given. I wasn't given what I need. You see, you are modeling what the world cannot see. Christ. Remember in chapter 1 where Paul said... According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, Christ shall be magnified in my body. Why? Does, is, is Christ so small that he needs us to magnify him? No, the world is so far from him, they just don't see him. And so each one of us are magnifiers of an awesome almighty God. That's, our, that's what we get to do. Every day, this is what you and I get to do. We get to magnify Jesus Christ. Therefore, remember that we are modeling what they can see, our difficulties, and they're seeing how we respond to that, and we are modeling what they can't see. They can't see Jesus Christ, but they can see you. Therefore, he says, be blameless, and be harmless, blameless, be useful, focus, be useful today for what your goal is, harmless, faultless, be usable because there's nothing that keeps you from being usable. When I was in high school and in college, I worked for a very kind Christian businessman. I worked in his grounds maintenance business, and we cut a lot of grass. Some contracts would be 100-some acres of grass. It's a lot of grass. It's all-day grass. We would have multiples of us with very wide decks. And we would be like combines, and we would just do this great big area. We would do military installations. But if, if it ever slowed down, he also had a manufacturing business. And I remember one day I got there, and he goes, slow today, but he said, I got a job for you. You don't have to worry about going home. And he, he showed me these bins of flanges. It was a, it was a metal kind of disc that had a hole punched in the middle. And when they were punching it, they made a mistake and they left a burr on it. Thousands of these. He said, go through, feel them. If there's no burr, put it over here. If there is a burr, put it over here and then you'll need to grind those off. Talk about job security. You see, the problem was the parts were not blameless. The parts had to be conditioned to be blameless. And what does Paul tell us? He says, 
understand, do your job, do your role, remembering that you're modeling before the world. They can see you're going through difficulties. In fact, it's the difficulties that usually draw people to say, how do you do that? But also, remember, you're modeling Jesus Christ who they cannot see. Therefore, it's really important that we stay blameless, that we stay faultless. Because, you see, we're also modeling what the world needs to hear, and that is the message of the gospel. Those rascals, those mean people, the people that are doing things that look just like, like sinners. They need the gospel. And if we don't remember that, we're going to be caught off guard. You see, do your role remembering also that we are all interconnected. Notice what he says here. He says, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, if I spend myself helping you become what you're supposed to do, I joy and rejoice. Do you see the interconnectivity? Coaches don't win games, but coaches do win games, don't they? A coach never wins a game if his players don't play well. And Paul is saying, I've got, a, I've got my role that I'm playing. I'm in jail. I've got this going on. I've got this going on. Those are okay because we're accomplishing our goal. And he says, and if I'm being spent for your sake so that you can reproduce, I'm glad to be spent for you. That's a local body right here. I have great hope for each of you. God is going to use you. And if I can pour myself into you, if I can help coach you, and you accomplish your role, I'm a very happy man. That's why I'm here. That's why I moved to Fargo. You're not a bother but I can't play the game for you. You understand, don't you? It's your role to play. You may need some coaching. God's a great coach. He is the best coach. He is the coach. I'm just a little under coach. I'm, I'm like the town manager. But I get to be the town manager. You see, Paul says, do a good job, lest, he said, I don't want to run in vain or think that I had run in vain. One of the things I wish is I wish my dad could see how he's impacted his kids told Cindy this morning how fun it is to do a group text. My brother is preaching this morning. My nephew is preaching this morning. My son is preaching this morning. Another son is preaching this morning. 
five of us are preaching today. We have a wonderful coach, God, and we had a really good town manager, my dad. Each of you have that opportunity with your children. Don't pass that up. Players don't always get it right. Once you get over that, you'll be a long way down the path. But they still need you to coach. They just want to play the game. And they should play the game. And as a church, every one of us, unless you're sick, unless you're wounded, unless you're healing, you need to find your role. And you need to get involved. Can I say this without malice, without being unkind, just so you know? If you don't pick up your role, no one else can play your role. And the whole body will not be as successful as it could be. Was that kind enough? I have no desire to ever beat you up. You're the team. Coaches who just explode and let their teams have it because they're angry have missed the whole point. They've, they've forgotten it's not about them. Stay in your right mind. Do your role remembering your coach. Do your role remembering that you're modeling before the world. You're modeling what they can see, how to handle difficulties, and you're modeling what they can't see, Jesus Christ. You're modeling what they need to hear, the gospel. And do your role remembering that we're all interconnected. You can't separate you from the other believers. Are you using your circumstances rather than being overcome by them? Our community may go through some hard times. Let's use those circumstances rather than recoiling from them. God is coaching you. Listen to what the coach has to say.